Welcome to The Brand is Female. I'm Ava Hartling, founder and host of this podcast. This week, my guest is Jacqueline Lung. My name is Jacqueline Lung, and I am the founder and editor-in-chief of a digital media company called Pressed News. Jacqueline created Press News, a digital media company that makes the news easy to understand. With a daily email newsletter, online explainers, and social media community, Press brings its subscribers a recap of world issues straight to their mailbox every morning, always from a Canadian perspective and minus the bias. Before launching Press, Jacqueline had spent several years working in marketing in different industries from sports to food to media. Listen to her journey as she set out to build a different kind of media company. Thank you so much, Jacqueline, for coming to speak with me on The Brand is Female today. Um, we're at home in Toronto, home, H-O-A-M-E, the meditation studio. Um, it's lovely to uh, hear about your company and hear more about you. And I want to start by asking you, um, I do want to go back in time. Um, growing up, what were your dreams and aspirations? And did you ever think you'd have such a career uh, back then? Or did you have... Uh, different career ambitions at the time? Yeah, uh, no. <laughs> so I never wanted to be an entrepreneur because my parents have owned their own business before I was born. So I saw how difficult it was to own your own business. And they always taught us to get a great job after school, grow in your career, and that was always the goal. So I thought, that sounds great. Um, but truly, when I was young, I wanted to be a pop star. Oh, I, I love want, that. <laughs> I wanted to be, like I was taking singing lessons and dance mm. lessons and going to auditions and my parents finally said, all I need you to do is finish university mm-hmm. and then I don't care. So I did that. I had a great time at university. I liked school. Um, I always thought to myself, if I can't be Britney Spears, then I will be an event planner that plans events where Britney Spears will be. Um, so that was what I thought I was going to do. Mm-hmm. And then... Um, after university, I did a ton of things in university to teach me that I didn't want to be an event planner. Okay. I planned a ton of events. And then after school, I took a year off. Mm-hmm. I went to LA, I went to New York, I auditioned, and it was just this moment I was in front of a casting director and thought, you know what? I can do your job and I can do it really well. And so that's when I went into the advertising agency world. Okay. okay. Um, and it was many years after that and before I started Pressed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, tell me about, so at that time, I, I, I guess your interests were more around branding and marketing, yeah. but um, you've mentioned wanting to be a pop star as well. Were there any role models, any women that, other than Britney Spears, <laughs> <laughs> who inspired you at that time? Somebody you would have looked, looked up to? Yeah, um, before I started my career in advertising, I met with a woman who became my mentor and is now a really great friend of mine. She worked at an ad agency called Taxi. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and she just like showed me the ropes. She helped me edit my resume. She got me in front of the right people. And I just admired how giving she was. Mm-hmm. And that's sort of how I model my myself now. Right now I'm like 10 plus years into my career. And now people are reaching out to me. And I give the same with the same generosity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So tell me about by that point you're working mm-hmm. uh, in the advertising world. Tell me about when the idea for press news happened. Mm-hmm. Um, I switched out of agency and went to client side mm-hmm. a few years later. And my last job was at Rogers. Mm-hmm. So I worked on the Sportsnet brand, the Vice brand, and the FX brand. And when sport um, when Rogers 
took on Vice as a partner, I realized that the media world in Canada hadn't changed a lot, mm-hmm. but everyone was trying to reach out to millennials. Mm-hmm. And it was at the time that I was also realizing that I don't follow the news, um, but I was following a couple of American news outlets. Right. So in 2015, it was a Canadian election year. And I was like, this is great. All the American news outlets will just keep me up to date. Mm-hmm. But they didn't. Except they didn't have of course they didn't. specific news. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. right. And um, it wasn't until Trudeau won the election. And the, the outlet that I was reading said, the hot guy won up north. <laughs> and that I, was... I remember that time of coverage <laughs> when it was all about how good looking Trudeau was. That's right. Meanwhile, we were all like, what are they talking about? That's right. I'm like, wait a second. You didn't help me at all mm-hmm. throughout this election. Yeah. So that became sort of a mission of mine, mm-hmm. right? To help people like me. Um, and that's sort of where the idea came. So tell me about setting up the business. And obviously you made a major uh, switch, uh, you know, switching sides mm-hmm. going from the advertising marketing side and actually uh, launching a news outlet. Yeah. So tell me about that transition and how was it received in the in the media industry? Um, so it's been two and a half years now since we've left and I think the industry is still trying to understand what we're doing. <laughs> right. <laughs> I, I think Canada is a special... The media industry as a whole around the world is slow mm. to move, but I think Canada especially has been slow to adopt new ways to um, produce content. Right. Um, but when I when I left, um, my my direct managers were really really supportive. Um, the way I got it sort of off the ground was by because I had this advertising experience, mm-hmm. I knew I had to pitch myself for other media outlets to write about me. Right. Um, so that's what I did. I was still working at Rogers at the time, pitching myself. Um, and then finally, like a couple, like she does the city and notable, I think, mm-hmm. picked me up and okay. then wrote yeah. about me. Yeah. And then I got my first subscribers that were not my mom and dad. Right. You know, um, <laughs> Yeah, and then just like lots of customer research and mm. help me keep going. And then um, it was about four months after I set up my website that I finally quit my job. Okay, okay. Yeah. And how did you find making that decision? Tell me a little bit about the process of, you know, being able to finally take that plunge and saying I'm going to leave a, you know, comfortable mm-hmm. corporate job, go into the unknown. Mm-hmm. Um, what was that process like for you? Um, so I have a really curious, curious personality Mm -hmm. and, um, I will say that I, I am easy to take risks. I take risks easily, but even for me, um, it took about, so my boyfriend and I were looking for a house at the time. Mm -hmm. So it was really important for me to make sure that it was okay if I paused that plan. Right. Because I wasn't going to be able to do both. Mm -hmm. Um, after that, he was very supportive. He was like, yeah, do that. We can buy a house anytime. It was getting my parents on board. Um, they're very supportive, but they're also very much, you know, we know what it feels like to own your own business, and it's not that fun. So, right. you know, make sure you, know sure you want to do this. Yeah. That's yeah. right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that I, what we kept talking about as a family was if this doesn't work out, I can always get a job. Right. Um, we had no uh, doubt that that was going to be an issue, me mm-hmm. finding a, a job in the right. future. Yeah. So it was like, well, then why not? Why not? Exactly. But why not? Okay. okay. Um, lots of one-on-ones with my manager, lots of crying. It was really <laughs> hard. Um, it's really hard to quit your job. So yeah. people out there who are thinking about quitting their mm-hmm. jobs and thinking they're not brave, it's it's just, it's a hard decision to make. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. 
what would have been um, your biggest challenge? So when you first started the, the news outlet, mm-hmm. um, what's the one thing that really felt like, you, I wonder if I can get through this? Um, that I was alone. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a solo female founder of color. Okay. <laughs> and I didn't know at the time that that was going to be a challenge. Mm-hmm. Um, because I left the corporate world in sort of a middle management position, mm-hmm. I was always protected um, from seeing the sexism and right. all of that from the executive level. Right. So I didn't realize when you leave and you try to be the boss, it's not... Um, it's not that easy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That was the hardest thing. And everyone raves about working from home. I don't like it at all. Hmm. It's very lonely. Yeah. Um, you don't get to bounce ideas off people. Um, so yeah, that's one thing. Like when I look back, that's one thing I think I would change is mm-hmm. I would try to look for someone to do this with. Okay. Mm-hmm. But you did, you had, you have partners that basically joined you later on. Yes, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. I have um, a, a really great group of people who help me now. Okay. Wonderful. Yeah. yeah. Um, What's the best piece of advice that you got? And I'm, I'm assuming you got advice, but mm-hmm. um, in maybe that first year of setting up the business. Um, one of our investors, advisors, Erin Burry, she told me having a startup is like throwing a lot of things on the wall mm-hmm. and seeing what sticks. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yes, that's so true because every day you're just trying and trying and trying. And when things don't work, it really feels personal. Mm. But when you remember, when when you remind yourself that like you, everything you're doing is new, mm-hmm. naturally not everything is going to stick and not right. everything is going to work. Mm-hmm. So that made me feel better when things didn't work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. that makes sense. Um, what's your mechanism or or your way of dealing with those intensely challenging moments when you hit a roadblock and you feel like you might not be able to get through it? How do you manage to find the energy and the inspiration yeah. to keep going and get over it? Oh my god! I get through it. I just had one of those moments last night. Um, honestly, like, I don't know if I have a good answer for that. Mm-hmm. I think <laughs> you're still figuring. it I'm out. I'm still basically. trying to figure it out, and I don't know if anyone has like a clear answer. It's such yeah. a personal thing. Yeah. For me, I go to therapy every week, and part okay. of and part of it is like just coaching, right? Like he te- my my therapist teaches me a lot about um, how to manage who my who I am as my true self and mm-hmm. then what that means versus my jealousy side, mm-hmm. um, my, my stubborn chaser side, mm-hmm. my, my judgmental side. Like, and so I'm starting to recognize what those are as opposed to accepting that that's who I am. That's really interesting. Yeah. 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 He's really great. Yeah. No, I, yeah, <laughs> I, I like that approach. Yeah. Um, tell me about your leadership style. Um, yeah. You have partners, you have a mm-hmm. team, um, is mentorship important to you? And if we asked, you know, the, the team that works alongside you, how would they describe you as a leader? <laughs> um, you know, I used to be really insecure about my management style mm-hmm. uh, because I I just like people mm-hmm. and I like to be friends with people and get to know them on a really personal level. And I got advice from other leaders that maybe that wasn't the best thing because you know, you need to separate it a bit mm-hmm. if you're going to be the leader. And I get that. Um, but because I am so personal, that's how I've been able to attract really smart people to my team right. at such an early stage right. because we just like each other, mm-hmm. right? And maybe that's not the case when you're a Fortune 500 company and you can't quite do that. Um, but at, as a, at a startup stage, that has really helped me. Mm-hmm. Um, some, like my writers say to me all the time, like, I don't know how 
you've gotten us to work with you for so long um, because we're not paying a lot, right? Because we're a startup. And so, yeah, um, Mm. I think that's what they would say. Mm -hmm. Um, I want to ask you about social media Mm -hmm. and being at the helm of a news outlet. Obviously, social is one of the channels that's key Mm -hmm. today. Um, It's one of the ways we consume news and media. Um, But it's also challenging for women, especially because I think there's uh, huge pressure to look a certain way and have a life that is, you know, glamorous from the outside at least, but we all know that's not always the reality. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you find balance? And I know there's a um, professional aspect to what you do on social media, but from a personal standpoint, how do you find that balance between staying grounded, having that mm-hmm. presence on social media, obviously communicating with um, the people that, you know, need to see what you're up to? How would you navigate that? Um, I think because, as you mentioned, young women are so susceptible to what they're seeing on social media, I am that person, Mm -hmm. right? I'm very sensitive to what I see. I take things to heart. I compare myself. I can't help it. Um, And because of that, when I'm on our professional account, like on our business account, I'm very aware of what that's like. So if we're ever filming behind-the-scenes footage, I'm not going to make it look like a production and then mm. make it look like a behind the scenes yeah and like, so it's authentic very authentic mm. yeah that's great and from a personal standpoint mm. what's your relationship to social media um it's hard because because i'm the the leader of press but also i'm a brand mm-hmm. um it's hard to separate sometimes i don't want to be posting about press on my personal account all the right. time so that's really really challenging um to be honest i stay off of my personal social media um, a lot and I'm only on there if I have something specific to say that I think will help people mm-hmm. yeah okay um, what keeps you grounded and I've reformulated this question because I used to ask how do you find balance yeah and I find that a lot of discussion is around how the concept of balance is unattainable um, but I'm more interested in what keeps you grounded. So as a busy entrepreneur with yeah. a fast-paced life, what are those things that you need to do regularly so that you feel like you're, you are grounded? I go to therapy once a week. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that has helped me so much, mm-hmm. honestly. Yeah. Um, I also used to, f- so when I first started my first year, I was like, I have to give up everything. I can't mm-hmm. buy anything. I can't go out. I can't do anything for mm-hmm. myself because mm-hmm. I have a startup now. But this, in our third year, I bought a pair of shoes. And I, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, a, you're allowing like yourself now I'm allowing to, yeah. myself. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting, all the things, because I gave up everything. Mm-hmm. It's interesting the things I'm willing to take in and the things I can leave mm-hmm. aside. It really helps you filter your life. Mm-hmm. And so that also, like, rele- like, relieving yourself of that guilt of doing things for yourself has right. helped me as well. Okay. Is there a book that you read, um, could have could be a long time ago, could be recently, that's especially influenced you or marked your life? I know you want me to say a business book. Could be anything. No, it could be fiction. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I read a book called Small Great Things recently okay. by mm-hmm. Jody Picoult. I don't know yes, if that's yes, how you pronounce her name. Mm-hmm. yeah. Small Great Things, and it's about... Um, it's a fiction that's not real, right? Yeah, fiction. Uh, and it's about this black nurse who has to help a white supremacist in mm. hospital. It's so good. It's so good. And I told everybody about this. And, like, I mean, your question was how has it shaped me? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. What I'm So because the last three years has been a lot of, a lot of like, self, 
um, self-work and like realizing what I want to do and what, mm-hmm. what my dreams are. Um, I'm feeling really, I feel really strongly about, um, helping females advance mm-hmm. themselves, mm-hmm. but also this question of like inequality mm-hmm. in general. Right. Right. And so this book, like really like, because I also am a type of person who wants to see all sides. Mm-hmm. And so there's this question that me and my boyfriend always talk about, like, are you supposed to be empathetic to everyone? Right. Does everyone deserve a voice? Right. And that also ties back into the news that we produce. Mm. Right. Um, That's so interesting. So, th- yeah. So that book, everyone should read it. Mm. <laughs> yeah. I'll make a note of that. Yes, make a note. Yeah. Um, is there a quote or saying um, that you find yourself repeating over and over? Or it could be something you say to yourself in your mm. head. Uh, my dad uh, has always told me, if it doesn't scare you, it's probably not worth doing. Mm-hmm. And that's sort of led me to every career move I've made. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Interesting. What is success for you? Um, I've redefined it this year, um, and I'm redefining it as I go. I think right now, success to me is finding balance, mm-hmm. honestly. Okay. I yeah. know that it, it's, it's like feeling happy and not just my career is successful. Right. I was finding a lot of happiness every time we booked a client mm-hmm. or every time we got new subscribers instead of finding happiness in spending time with my family. Right, right. And so now I'm just like trying to expand that more. Mm-hmm. So going back to the things that really matter. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you could go back in time as mm-hmm. far back as you want, is there something you would want to do differently or a decision you'd want to change? I think I would have started a company earlier. Yeah? Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, a lot of what I want to do next in my life mm-hmm. is um, get married and have kids and buy that house. And um, it's harder now, mm-hmm. especially because for women, we really have a clock that we have to watch out for. Mm-hmm. And I want to have kids. Um, and so it's really hard to... Cause having a startup really is like having a baby. It's really like 150% of my time. Mm-hmm. Even if I was a millionaire, I don't think that I could have the time or energy um, necessarily to be really, really great at both. Right. Um, you know, someone said to me, um, you can have it all, but you can't have it all at once. At the same time, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I really think that's true. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so I think I wish I would have done it earlier. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I want to ask you about the opportunities and a space for women in journalism and in media specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, you obviously launch your own platform. It's, you know, headed by women. Mm-hmm. Um, we've heard all the stories over the past few years of, you know, certain work environments, um, almost, you know, almost like the Me Too movement, but, you know, in, in mm-hmm. media specifically, there's some Canadian specific stories that we're all familiar with. Do you think that is finally changing? Do you think that there are new opportunities for women in media? Um, you made the decision to go out and launch your own company, but for women, of course, are working for an established organization, for example, is the climate changing? I think it's changing, but I don't think we're there yet. Mm-hmm. Um, I work with a lot of great women, but I work with a lot of white men Mm -hmm. who boast about having a staff that's all women Hmm. when they're the leader. Right. I don't think they get it. Yeah. Right? Like... (laughs) I would agree with you. (laughs) Yeah. So I just don't think they get it yet. Mm. 
Um, I think that people are putting all these policies in place to hire more women, but not understanding the whole idea behind it. Mm -hmm. But then on the other end, I think maybe, I think sometimes the Me Too movement has swung too far to the other side, Mm -hmm. where as soon as a woman um, makes an allegation of something, the man is, like, attacked immediately. Right, yeah. And this goes back to my my thoughts about, like, does everyone deserve a voice? Mm -hmm. Does everyone deserve um, empathy? Mm -hmm. And I I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. Mm -hmm. Um, The good news is is that we're talking about it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, The other day someone asked me, um, he's a male leader, and he's like, I tapped tapped my female staff on the shoulder. Is that okay? Mm Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I don't know, but I'm really glad you asked me. Yeah. You know, and I think that's important. Yeah. No, having that conversation. Just like asking and talking yeah. about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's interesting. Advice for young women who want to go into a career in media or, right. um, you know, be an entrepreneur in the media world. What advice would I give someone right now who's mm-hmm. thinking about that? And somebody who's maybe still debating if it's the right choice for them. So... I wish someone would have told me this, um, that you don't have to be like right now being an entrepreneur is really sexy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Freelancing yeah. is really sexy, yeah. but you don't have to be an entrepreneur or a freelancer to be happy and mm-hmm. to be a leader and to be powerful. That's so true. Right. And it's also, we still need those people in, you know, corporate positions or right. working for companies that, you know, yeah. yeah and there's all these massive start. companies that are still run by men at the top. Exactly. Like go break down those walls. Yes. That's so powerful. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so right now, like, and I'm like, I'm starting to think about that now too. And thinking about would I have made the same choice if startups weren't as sexy when I started mm, three years right, ago. Right. Um, so that's really important, I think, really to think about what you actually want to do, not what it seems like everyone's doing right now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a really good point. Mm-hmm. Um, you run a media company. You um, you basically decide you know, what news you're going to print or to, to air or to run on a specific day. Mm-hmm. That comes with huge responsibility. How do you kind of... Um, make sure you stay authentic to um, um, basically writing about what's fair and about mm-hmm. um, and about the truth and not you were talking about those voices that you know not every voice needs to be heard yeah. how do you make sure to um, to find that balance between um, also not going into your own personal opinion or letting one of your writers um, you know have their opinion take over from the actual reality or facts that's a really great question Uh, we get this one a lot so the first thing we do is every story that we write has to has to be written from has to be taken from three different sources okay um and then beyond that every story goes through at least one or two or three edits Mm -hmm. which mean and by that i mean two or three people right um there's that but also we've now that we've been live for three years we have received lots of feedback 
And so we've heard, we know that there are certain topics that are, that people are very sensitive about Mm -hmm. that we have to be careful about. Right. Suicide is one of them. Mm -hmm. Abortion is one of them. Israel is one of them. Mm -hmm. And so every time we have one of these stories, they're flagged and we make sure that all three of us read it. All three editors read the story. Mm -hmm. Um, Because it's natural for people to have biases and for for them to write those biases without even knowing. Mm Mm-hmm. Tell me about how that applies uh, during, or you know, during election campaigns, for example. And we just went through one in Canada. Mm-hmm. So, how did you approach treatment of the news during mm-hmm. that period? We so we made two really popular cheat sheets, um, and what we did was we just made sure that instead of covering everyone's platform, mm-hmm. that can be perceived in a different way depending on which political party you lean, we covered the topics instead. So we chose five key topics we thought our audience would care most about, and then we just like listed how each party was tackling them. Like one of them is climate change, one of them was women's rights, and then so we just listed Mm -hmm. them out Mm -hmm. versus trying to interpret a party platform. Mm -hmm. Very smart. Thanks. (laughs) Um, Tell me about what's next for the organization. Where do you see yourself going? Mm. Do you want to keep growing the platform, going to new markets perhaps? Mm-hmm. Um, I think right now we, we've we heard a lot of people say that they love that we're Canadian focused. Yeah. I think expanding into different markets means um, that we need, we'll, we'll need experts in those locations. Mm-hmm. So what's next for us is doing more long-form content on right. our website. Okay. Um, people love our newsletter, but people love our cheat sheets when they come out mm. because I think more than the newsletter, they love our tone of voice okay. and how we're explaining difficult concepts. Mm. So I think we're going to look into more long-form content. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. What's the channel right now that seems to be getting the most mm-hmm. eyeballs? Um, it's our email, mm-hmm. our email newsletter, and Instagram. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah, because, I mean, you're scrolling every day anyway, so mm-hmm. you can learn a little bit yeah. while you're on there. So what do you think is, and that's a, it's a million-dollar question yeah. for the industry, but what's the future of news media? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, more collaboration. Mm-hmm. Um Especially because we've been in, I've been in the startup world for three years, and I can see that all the we were just talking about before we started recording mm-hmm. that there are industries that are just traditionally older, yeah, like the yeah. jewelry industry, mm-hmm. um, the media industry, yeah. banking. But you can see that like the banking industry is is um, innovating by tapping into the startup communities. Absolutely, and honestly, like. Media feels like the only one that's not doing that. It's true. Right? Yeah. And mm-hmm. it's a lot of, like, there's no money, there's no all these things, and, mm-hmm. and I understand that. But um, I think that eventually it's going to have to be, like, we have to collaborate because we're all going through the same problem. We're all trying to solve Absolutely. the same problem. Yeah. And um, I also think that readers and readers are going to have to start paying for news again because mm-hmm. right now it's too messy. Right. There's too much out there that you yeah. could get for free. Yeah. Um, and so it's not always a good content that you get for free, unfortunately. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And so there's going to have, that's have to, that's going to have to come back. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I don't, I, I'm not sure. I, I'm looking forward to seeing as well. What's next. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and what about, what's, what's your take on the divide, you know, the, the, uh, church and state divide between advertisers and media. I don't know if it's so much 
something that matters for your platform. But obviously, um, especially now with social media, with digital news, the lines get blurrier and blurrier, and it can be hard for uh, individuals to know the difference between yeah. sponsored content and you know real news content. Yeah. This is a tough one, and I think this ties back into your first question, your, your previous question about yeah. what's next. What's next in the media industry is like figuring out a different revenue model, yeah. which I think is going to go back to user subscriptions exactly. or payment. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that will help with some of this complicated sponsorship content and advertorials. Mm-hmm. Um, for press specifically, because we're small, um, we have the freedom to customize our content in a way that and pick and choose our sponsors, Right. to be honest. Um, like right now, uh, we just finished a promotion with Sonnet Insurance, mm-hmm. and that was actually the perfect type of sponsor for us because insurance is a topic that people don't talk about because it's hard. Mm-hmm. That's exactly yeah. what we do, Yeah. Mm-hmm. right? So it was a perfect sponsorship. Mm-hmm. Um, they got to put their name on content that people actually read. Right. And right. that's the kind of stuff that we try to do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Are there sponsors that you've had to turn down? Um... No, but there are definitely sponsors on lists that have been taken off the list right, to okay. not do outreach. Yeah. Yeah. I see what you mean. Yeah. Okay. Um, this is my favorite question to ask my guests on the show, and it's what do you wish women would do more of? Um, I wish women would see themselves in a more positive light. Mm-hmm. I struggle with this a lot because I've had 30 plus years of experience seeing myself in a negative light. Mm-hmm. It's hard to switch that. Yeah. Um, it's funny because I see men in, in the startup world talking about themselves all the time. Meanwhile, I know how much more I've done than them. Right. But I, I would never talk about myself like right. that. Yeah. Yeah. The bragging gene yeah. seems to have, Yeah. you know, not... not affected women as much Mm. yeah exactly and I yeah and I don't know if it's just bragging it's just like owning like the positive things that you've done right yeah yeah no and you're right because actually just that choice of word is it bragging when you're in fact just talking about your accomplishments and your strengths and I think people don't do it because they think it's bragging and they think it's bad right yeah Mm -hmm. yeah it's easy to fall off you know if you use that example of a man talking about his long list of accomplishments that can fall in the bragging category, but there's a happy medium. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Which we have to find. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And my therapist tells me about this all the time. He says that, like, if you're on this side of the spectrum and you're trying to brag and you're afraid to be a braggy, you're never going to make it there. Yeah, yeah. If it you just you're not try, you're going to probably be in the middle. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then I'm curious to ask you, where do you get your news from? What are some of your favorite news outlets, news sites? Do you still read the print paper? Mm-hmm. I don't read a print paper. Um, My favorite news sites to read are probably, I really like Vogue. I really like Vox. Mm -hmm. Um, BBC, I think, writes in a really simple tone. And uh, yeah, I think those three. I really enjoy reading stuff off of Vox. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, great platform. Well, thank you so much, Jacqueline. It was great getting to know you better and and your company as well. Best of luck and can't wait to see what the next stages of your development are. Thank you so much. This was so fun and you asked really great questions. Oh, good. Good. Since you're a journalist, I take that as a compliment. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. 
As always, if you liked this episode of The Brand is Female, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. It really makes a difference. I'll be back in about a week with a new guest on the show. Thank you so much for listening. Yeah.